Greetings, everyone. Hey, how you doing? It's Matt Sella, and today we're doing a Season 1, Episode 7, review for The Owl House, episode called Lost in Language. Joined here once again via satellite radio is my good friend, Mark. How you doing out there, Mark? Knowledge is power, Matt. Oh, and I'm also sick with knowledge. Hopefully you didn't spend too much time in that library, having things come to life during the Wailing Star. I ate a whole cookbook. Oh, wow. And now all the food is manifesting right in that tummy of yours. Oh, yeah. Lovely. Anywho, folks, I say let us begin. Now, what is the general synopsis for this episode? Well, considering that Ida and King have their hands full with some weird owl babies, Luce was originally tasked to return some way overdue books to the library. There she learns of Amity's kind of a double life teaching kids or reading books to them. But once again, Amity wants nothing to do with Luce. However, Luce runs into her older twin siblings who has an idea to have fun which leads to pranks causing Amity and others to get in big trouble. And that is generally the synopsis of this episode. Mark, what did you think of this episode so far? Well, Matt, I'm glad you asked. Not to start with a negative, but I do think Amira and Edric, as of right now, and I mean, we just met them, are the most one-dimensional characters in the show, and they're really not cool. Like, I don't I don't buy the whole we can do something horrible to someone because we're family thing. Yeah, I 100% agree with you there, where you and I, before we start recording, we were talking about how, whether or not the writing of Amity herself is good or not. But in contrast to that, I definitely feel like the older twin siblings were very much a one-noted character archetype. And there's just nothing really appealing to them in terms of characteristics. They're just there to be a foil to everything. And one of them is allergic to dairy. Yeah, apparently. And that's really it. They're just there to be assholes to whomever the plot needs them to be assholes towards. Mm -hmm. You know what they are. They're there to be the bigger jerks. So we feel like Amity is less than a jerk. And I think this episode, you've kind of converted me to it kind of definitely makes it seem like she's not really a jerk just really complicated confused but like yeah there's always a bigger fish exactly it's to kind of like subtract and like level out the previous deeds that amity has done now you and i we were kind of talking about a bit briefly that we don't know whether or not amity is actually being well written up till now and why don't you say what you initially thought well my whole thing was like when we first meet amity she's a jerk Then the second episode we meet her, we're like, oh, okay, maybe she's actually not a jerk. Then the next episode, uh, last Hootie's moving castle, actually, we're like, okay, no, she's back to being a jerk. But then in this episode, we're like, okay, she's not a jerk. She's just complicated. And you've had your justification for this, but I will say that I looked over the production stuff and um, both episodes where she seems like she's less than a jerk were directed by the same person. So I'm wondering if maybe there's inconsistencies or if she's just that complicated of a character. You convinced me she's just that complicated. So why don't you take it from there, Matt? Yeah. So initially what I kind of did to justify it is that we get a hint of her and her deeper thoughts via her diary coming to life during the Wailing Star prank invasion. And even then, if you kind of look at them there are times where she is considerate but then other times where she is being 
an asshole jerk nonetheless, kind of flooded with negative thoughts. And they kind of go back and forth. So in my head, my justification of why she's kind of like swinging back and forth in terms of potential kindness versus just being an asshole is she doesn't quite know what kind of person she wants to be. She's kind of having that inner battle within herself. That is generally what I believe. Now, bear in mind with what you just told me, Mark, I also consider the fact that this could have just been a happy accident where maybe that was not the intention or at least the intended connection that they wanted the audiences to go because we've seen shows and movies that have done this before. And heck, even I've made my own stories where happy accidents that delved in some kind of deep psychological path just was not entirely my intention, but just kind of happened that way. Apart from that, uh, other positives I could really say is I think narratively wise, it was interesting to see the books kind of come to life. I do wish we kind of had more examples of literature being manifested. We got a couple examples, which were kind of neat, but I don't know how many of them could have been relatable to people like us, like real world people, because obviously a lot of their books are based around their culture or whatever. I remember there was a manga section in the kids area, and I feel like there could have been some fun references or Easter egg gags during the Wailing Star that could have happened, but I don't think there really was. Nah, maybe if this, there was more time in the episode, but... I agree. But the overall concept of it was kind of neat, and it was kind of funny to see a children's icon that Amity was reading suddenly become like some evil monster thing that was doing some link between worlds stuff. I think the rabbit thing was the closest we got to that. Oh, for Amity. Uh, no, you said Amity. Yeah, no. Okay, I'm not crazy. But apart from that, I thought it was a fairly decent episode. Aside from the one-note bully oldest siblings type thing, I said it was a pretty alright episode that kind of moved the needle forward a little bit in terms of Luce's relationship with Amity. And before we wrap up, we should mention Ida and King babysit these creepy floating bat head babies and then get handsomely rewarded with a MacGuffin whistle that'll probably come back to reference in the future. Which is funny, too, because even though that was a filler section, you know how many times, Mark, I told you, yeah, the show is trying to pitch weirdness to it, but I didn't really quite get that vibe or anything like that. When we finally saw the Bat Queen, I was like, okay, yeah, this is kind of what I'd like to see. No, her head kind of reminded me of uh, various uh, like Japanese and Korean interpretations of ghosts, you know, kind of like ring stuff. Yeah, it even reminded me of one of those like Indonesian monster things that has like the head woman with like the black hair, but dangling intestines. Yes, definitely. Yeah, she had that vibe to me. I was like, okay, this is the kind of weirdness I want to see. So good on them for making that weird bat queen thingy yeah keep it weird coming to a disney parks near you and uh i say that's essentially our overall thoughts on this episode well you heard our opinion but now we want to hear yours let us know in the comment section below what did you think of this latest episode of the owl house season one episode seven lost in language did you like it did you not like it share your thoughts join the conversation like, share, subscribe, ring that bell to be notified when new videos drop. And if you want to support me, please consider going to my Patreon. Or if you want to do a one-time donation, consider going to my Streamlab. All those links are in the description below. This is Matt Sella. This is the disembodied bathead of Mark. <laughs> Thanking you all for tuning out. Oh God, Mark, get away from me! Ouch. <laughs>